0: When I was 30 years old, there was a manager that we always said, he really thinks about what have you done lately? Because it's almost like what you did 10 years ago really didn't matter. But what have you done lately? And the joke became, he's actually, he's so forward focused. He doesn't even care what you've done lately. What are you doing tomorrow? And that's the world we're living in. What are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing tomorrow? And what I believe is very effective is take a few minutes and look back before you go forward
1: this week on the podcast we have jim ml he specifically talks about um, why being a middle manager is so valuable but also some of the things that come with being a middle manager Um, some of those things might be trying to understand your team um, trying to really engage your employees and um, continuing to make relationships um, but also be a good leader in the process so we will jump right in Welcome to the podcast, Jim. I am really excited that you're here today to talk a little bit about what you do and who you are and how you've helped people in the past and the present. Do you want to just give us a brief intro of who you are, what you do, and then what your mission is?
0: Yes. Thank you. What I do today is i love to develop those who influence others. How I got here has been a long journey. I came out of uh, college, first job was uh, selling insurance uh, right away. And so I was uh, using what I like to call the people skills right away, being able to connect with prospects, clients, and be able to help them meet their goals and objectives. And over the last 40 years, my business has evolved, but it's always been the same. It's been connecting with people and helping them get what they want. And so what I do today, the last 21 years, I've been introduced as a business coach and primarily working with small, medium-sized businesses that believe that they can get better. And many of my clients are looking for how do I transition the business to the people who have helped me build this business? So I get introduced via succession planning, helping people be able to transition their business to others.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's really interesting, especially because... That transition is oftentimes to the younger people, those middle managers that are now needing to rise up into the executive roles or those type of seats, the C-suites spots. What are, what's some advice that you would give those people when they're in that transition phase?
0: It's interesting. There's, when you take a look at the generations and then who is rising up to be leaders. First of all, I look at people in three different ways and they can be all three, but there's leadership, leading people. There's managing. A lot of people are introduced as managers, and what they do is they manage processes and procedures and and goals. But really, at the end of the day, if you're a good manager, you're also a good leader. Uh, You're influencing others and encouraging them to grow, take on more. And then there are top performers. There are people that are just really good at what they do. And you want to put them in that playground where they're able to do what they do, not necessarily managing other people. But what's interesting is everybody in a small, medium-sized business is leading. You show up with uh, an attitude every day. You show up with positive or negative emotion. And we all lead by example. People pay attention. And so I just really like to approach it as everybody is in leadership. It's what kind of leadership are you providing? But the managers, what's very interesting in in my practice today, and I've shared this with other business coaches. I'm in a network with some other people. And I'm calling it the missing generation because 2008, 2009, a lot of people who would be in those upper management positions went to bigger companies. And that's where the security was. And I'm calling it the missing generation because it's like the upper 50s are transitioning to the 30, 35-year-old, sometimes 38-year-olds. And there's a missing generation, which is a great opportunity for a lot of young people and uh, to work on their uh, skills and leadership abilities. And uh, there's another generation coming up that I've talked to other people about is a lot of people in their 20s and early 30s. That are actually providing, I like to call it leadership from within. They're impacting and influencing the company just by their, what if we did this? Have we ever thought about this? Just the passion that they have as they approach their work. And so there are a lot of talented young people. When I'm coaching the business owners are saying, are you paying attention to this person?
1: Yeah, absolutely. 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 What is missing in those? I guess you call it the missing generation. Is there something that's missing that we could see in this younger generation that we could help them coach them to
0: to stair step real quick and jump over a couple steps and, and yeah. move it up? Yeah. Again, I I have a practice. I'm not coaching a bunch of other coaches. I have a practice. But in my practice, there are a lot of people that have ended up in that. They're now 55 or they're now 50 years old, and they were in their prime getting ready to step up. And then 2008, 2009 came along. And what I'm seeing is that there are a lot of people that are staying safe in those roles. We've always done it this way. No, we tried that back 10 years ago. There's a little bit of what I like to call a fixed mindset. There's a book called Mindsets by Carol Dweck, which is an awesome book for anybody to read. And it talks about the difference between growth and fixed mindsets. And there, are, honestly, there are a lot of people that have that fixed mindset who have found themselves into the management roles and they're being safe. Hmm. Today, the world is changing fast. And there are a lot of creative people, innovative people that your business is competing with. And so I really try to encourage my clients that are in leadership and management roles to bring that out get that innovation out, let them know that it's okay to strategically go into a new idea. The managers now can help them by asking them questions to develop their critical thinking skills because there's a there's a little bit of a paradox. These people have all this talent, but they've grown up with Google. And yeah. 10 years ago, Google is not a search engine, it's an answer engine. And there's uh, one of the things... In a lot of my projects, the business owners are saying, help, help this youth, help this talent develop critical thinking skills. And so just get into that uh, state of wonderment of what if, I wonder if, and have the courage to keep moving forward. But that's a big part of the managers. You will influence how much of that you get out of people, or you will stifle that type of, of creativity. And what's really interesting is if you don't connect with them, if you don't really know the people you're leading, if you're just more about what are we going to do today and here's the process, boom, if there's a low connection, but there's a high challenge in what they're doing, people can get frustrated. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And so for the people listening, if you just think about these four quadrants, if you go from low connection to high connection on the horizontal and then the vertical, if you go to low challenge, high challenge, what we always want is that upper right-hand quadrant, which is high connection and high challenge. The top performers wanna be engaged. They do not wanna be bored. Uh, What happens to a lot of first job people, they get out of college, they get hired and the, there's a low connection with the manager. Maybe the manager has too many people.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then there's a low challenge because they don't have time to really prepare you for giving you a challenge. Mm-hmm. Top performers don't stay in that quadrant. That's the board. I am board quadrant. When it's, it's you know, low connection, low challenge, uh, their resume is getting updated far quicker than they want. But if it's a low connection and a high challenge, that's where frustration comes in and And then the high connection, but a low challenge they're just they're just going to get bored after a while. they like the connection they'll stay longer at the same point in time. How am I advancing? Where am I going? I have these dreams and these goals and so here in the Midwest, one of the biggest things that I end up coaching the managers is to provide a more of a challenge to people. Yeah. Because they're talented and how do you do it? And so I don't know if this happens throughout the country, but definitely in the Midwest. Many of us grew up saying, don't be pushy. Grandma and mom taught us that. And there's a disconnect in the mind of I'm pushing them too much.
1: Yeah. Really what
0: it's about is the manager many times gets uncomfortable making people uncomfortable.
1: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Let me ask you a question. When have you grown when you were challenged or have you grown when you were comfortable?
1: <laughs> when I was challenged in unforeseen circumstances. Absolutely. I would and, 100% agree with you there.
0: Yeah. yeah. What's interesting is I, this is about 10 years ago. I went to a meeting and the speaker says, write down the three times that you grew the most. And this was before lunch break. So people are thinking about it. And then after lunch, he says, find the three times when you were challenged the most. And nobody had to think about it because the yeah. answer was already there. And so I'm encouraging a lot of the managers and business owners to you know, build a better connection. And by the way, some people just aren't naturally wired to build a better connection because it's just they're facts driven. They're, they see the goal. Their their blind spot is they see what has to happen so clearly, they think it's obvious to other people. Mm-hmm. And it's not. And building a connection, take time, especially early on, when you're starting to manage and somebody else is directly reporting to you. Get to know them. Yeah. Um, I have way too many stories where I have a 15-minute meeting with somebody and I end up knowing more than about them than the manager who's been managing them for the last nine months. Yeah. All it takes is curiosity and a few questions. Mm -hmm. And get get them to talk about their hobbies, get them to talk about things.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Some people would say that, their personal life is almost going into their professional life. What are your thoughts on how that movement is starting to impact organizations, especially because of this work from home thing, a few other different circumstances in the recent years? What are your thoughts on that?
0: This, this work from home thing is, has been very interesting. What's really interesting is talking to a few you know people about, about your age. Is when they're really loving what they do, because a lot of people can disconnect and reconnect pretty quickly. Many of them will say, when I'm really busy and I've got things going on at home, I'm at work thinking I need to get something done at home. And then when I'm at home, I know I got to get some things done at work. So I'm thinking about at home. So this, this home and work thing, we've always had to deal with it. It's just now physically, it's different. And it's really about time management, the managing of your energy, making sure that you're as effective and efficient as possible. And that's really where I think a lot of the managers can help, is to help people understand that a little bit of planning goes a long way. And what's great about your software, not actually using it myself, but just reviewing it, Is there so much there that your managers can leverage? Because you're keeping the main thing. You're not getting, here's your 33 items on your to-do list, which by the way, only 20% of it ever gets done, but (laughs) 33 items on it, but it helps you keep the main thing. And and, uh, I, I think it's how you manage your energy and your effort and eliminating the distractions definitely helps.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What would you tell a middle manager who is trying to really focus their employee and help them grow, but I was working from home and a a few new changes have happened in the past few months. What would be one piece of advice that you would give them in that state?
0: So I'll blend this answer in with what I think is a standard regardless. It's interesting. We're always in, what are we doing next? And it's, I, when I was 30 years old, there was a manager that we always said, he really thinks about what have you done lately? Cause it's almost like what you did 10 years ago really didn't matter, but what have yeah. you done lately? And the joke became, he's actually, he's so forward focused. It's, he doesn't even care what you've done lately. What are you doing tomorrow? and that's the world we're living in what are you doing tomorrow what are you doing tomorrow and what i believe is very effective is take a few minutes and look back before you go forward Mm. so kirsten if i was to ask you just imagine where you were a year ago 12 months before COVID, and COVID didn't even exist it wasn't even on our map and by the way weren't those great times 12 months And you're thinking about where you are. And now, Mm -hmm. if I were to ask you the question, during that 12 months, between now and then, as you look back, what would you say are the three things that you've learned about yourself and you've learned about how you can impact others? Where have you grown in the last year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I definitely had a job transition. I move a, yeah, I've been in different circumstances that I didn't think I would be in. And I think that's been a big growth perspective but then yeah it's definitely a good way to look back and think about where you have grown
0: but and through this COVID thing that's one of the questions that I've been asking a lot of business owners is who's surprising you who's who are you really starting to witness where here's what I say where other people are reaching out to them and asking their advice And in fact, even improving because they are reaching out to this person or that person. And this is where I'm coming up with the people in the 20s because technology is a big part of this. Mm -hmm. They're much more comfortable, but it has been huge. The number of clients who have just mentioned about how 50, 55-year-old people are getting mentored by people in their 20s and their 30s. And so what is leadership it's influencing others and so looking back to why i asked that question kirsten is because you know how far you've come in the last year mm-hmm. so what i've done is i've now set you up to get you to believe in yourself mm. who who talks to you more than anybody else <laughs> yourself yeah you do we yeah. all do we're all thinking right what if so if I'm going to influence you to think about the future, go, I call this go back before you go forward. It's also a great way very early on if you have a new direct report and you want to build a connection. What are you connecting to? Who have they been led by in the past? If, even if it's their first job out of college, they've been managed by other people called mom and dad, coaches,
1: grandma. Professors. <laughs>
0: professors they've been managed yeah who was your what was your favorite class and why and usually it comes down to the professor or whatever so you go back before you go forward it's also a great way to build a connection a real connection instead of saying what's your favorite color it's connecting with people and then now what i would do is do you believe you just went through some things in the last 12 months that were huge? So it may not be possible to go through that much growth next year. Those were big on the list, but you can think bigger because Mm -hmm. you know how far you've come. Yeah. Most people, when they're thinking about the future are limiting themselves because we don't see the future, but we know the past. And so now I've built a connection with you. And even if I'm in the Midwest, I can challenge you.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Just so now imagine it's 12 months from now and I ask you the same question. And what are those three biggest areas of, of growth? What were the mm-hmm. biggest challenges? Mm-hmm. Um, so some people will say, well, I want the growth, but I don't want the challenge. So it's, okay. it's like, <laughs> but that would be a good question for you to consider. Now that you know how far you've gone in the past, is that helpful to you to think about the future?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and it's a great way to build a connection very early on. And again, with your software and you're starting to plug things in, that is... So it's also interesting with the people in their 20s and uh, early 30s. I ask them what they think about the word accountability and many of them don't have a real good feel for it because a lot of times they've been managed in the past and accountability meant blame or it meant it's somebody, the Monday quarterback, looking at the, in the background. So a lot of the middle managers I've been working with is just ask this question. How do you want to keep score, Kirsten? How do you want to keep score? Cause you're, you're, I already know you're a growth-oriented person. You want to keep score. What's interesting is some people have a negative reaction to the word accountability. Mm. What's interesting is how many businesses, they want to have a culture of winning, of competition, of outperforming their competition. They want to keep score. On the weekends watching sports, they're keeping score. And that's really what accountability is. And I think that's really what you can keep score of using your software.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I really like how you said that too, especially because oftentimes we have metrics that don't really have a whole lot of meaning behind them. But when Mm -hmm. you really do plug into metrics that actually give you a score that's valuable and consistent, and you'll be able to see your growth that's huge Mm -hmm. and extremely valuable. And I think that's a lot of the time overlooked or we're measuring things that aren't as valuable as what we would hope right. they'd be or think that they would be. And uh, yeah, I totally agree with you there for sure. Yeah.
0: So as you're managing and leading people, is it important that they keep, that they set the goals, that they establish how you're going to keep score. And it is because they're taking the, the ownership of that. So when you have a tough time finding a metric, here's a question that you can ask of the the person and this will many times lead to a metric. But Kirsten, this is really, it's gonna be difficult to measure this. What is the question I can ask you when we meet next month? What is the question I can ask you to understand how much progress you're making on this? Yeah. So when I ask you to come up with the question, you're owning it. And many times it actually will lead you to something you can keep score of.
1: Yeah, I like that a lot, especially because it's consistent and they know what's coming and they know what the answer will be, hopefully by the next month, cross your fingers. (laughs) And maybe they don't know the full question or the full answer either, but that's an area of growth and coaching your team members. And yeah, I really like that. That's a great idea.
0: And you can always give them a heads up that I'm looking forward to asking you this question three days from now when we meet.
1: Yeah, Yeah,
0: absolutely. Focus on that. The 80-20 rule works in so many areas, but that's why those monthly goals, 80% of that work on that goal will get done in the last 20% of the days. (laughs) But if they know how to keep scoring, they know how to win, and they know that's what you're looking for. Um, Here's something else that I think you're, managers could benefit from is when they meet that goal we can say great what's next like the guy I was kidding about what have you done lately what are you doing tomorrow but lean in show appreciation but when you show appreciation if I say thank you you might forget even later today because look at how much information comes at you every single day and Mm -hmm. so the whirlwind of the day really dilutes that feeling of, I've been appreciated, because there's always something else going on. When your managers are showing appreciation, if they can think of one or two things that they impact because of it, even if it's impacting the next person in line to work on the project, you are giving this person a gift. They're not going to start from being behind. They've got a few days early that they're going to be able to start on their part of the project. I wanna thank you for that. That's good teamwork. Mm-hmm. You can find the impact and usually it takes 10, 20 seconds at most to include the impact. Yeah. I love, I love the word impact by the way, because it's impactful. So yeah. it's, it, it, I use that a lot more than it affects this. It affects that. I like to use impact.
1: Yeah, so. absolutely. I would have to agree with you there too. And it's, it makes people feel more valued as well. Are thanked on a deeper level absolutely and appreciated yeah. on a deeper level for yeah. sure
0: and awesome. some, sometimes if it's a big thing that's obvious to everybody about what the impact is I think you get a lot of uh, juice out of finding something small mm-hmm. because now you're paying attention to the small stuff and your people know you're paying attention to the small stuff that, Yeah this is going to impact so-and-so. And And, you know, that person who just completed the project is going, well, yeah, I guess it does. So it doesn't have to be a big thing. In fact, I would argue that sometimes the smaller things make a bigger difference.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I would have to agree with you there as well. (laughs) Because yeah, I think the smaller things make it feel like the bigger things are valuable, but um, those smaller things are just as valuable, if not more valuable, because they really show the hard work and dedication behind um, the big things that have have yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If Go ahead. Go ahead.
0: All right. back to that mindset, the growth mindset versus fixed. Part of what's in that book is a lot of times people who are really smart and, and through high school, people are telling them how smart they are. And then once they get challenged and they get a B plus or a B minus, they're thinking, am I that smart? Have I reached my limit? The growth mindset is don't talk to people about how smart they are or how great this looks. Talk to them about the effort that they put in. Mm. You know, here's what I know is that y- you had to put in the effort. This is something that was beyond my expectations and I appreciate the effort that you put into it. How did, and I might even get curious and say, how did you prepare for this? How did you plan for this? What did you do? again, connection, show that you care.
1: Yeah, Um, absolutely. Absolutely. And it takes much more effort for some people than others. And I think that's a really appropriate way of saying that, especially if you are a manager with a new employee or have a few more direct reports than before. It's not everyone's on the same playing field. And oftentimes our jobs and have different things that we have to do. And Sally might have to put in so much effort than Sue, but Sally's outcome is not as great as Sue, but really who, and not to compare, but to provide some emphasis on how grateful we are of their work and how they're continuing their growth and um, how they're investing in themselves. Absolutely, absolutely.
0: Just listening to you there reminded me that every, think about this. Every employee has their own brand. Mm
1: -hmm. You know who to
0: go to, who's going to get it done, who's dependable, who might do it at the last minute. We start to develop this brand. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And managing youthful talent or even somebody in the final years of their career, what is their brand? What's the impact that that they're making? A lot of employees have never looked at that. And for the people that are being led that are towards the end of their career, what's your career capping experience going to look like? How are you going to transition some of this wisdom to others? And then talk to them about witnessing them transitioning wisdom to others and the impact. Just keep feeding them to encourage them to do more. A lot of it is around effort. It's interesting. uh, I did a lot of coaching in sports, not just in business. Yeah. And there were kids that could show up and not put in the effort. They just had a lot of natural talent. And then a few years later, they're being passed by. Yeah. By the ones that put in the effort. Mm-hmm. And it happens in business, too. Yeah. Uh, so it's, that's what the growth mindset is about. And also being able to take risk in understanding. John Maxwell has a title of a book, Sometimes We Win, Sometimes We Learn. So looking at what did we learn is uh, very valuable and to reflect on on as individuals. Yeah. Reflective, reflective learning is a good teacher.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely helps that growth mindset even more. And, allows you to really take in all of the learnings rather than just applying them in the short-term memory box and making it a long-term concept that we actually embrace and have success behind. Absolutely, absolutely. One
0: of my favorite clients when I'm talking about sometimes we win, sometimes we learn and something happened in his business and he looked at me and he says, I just want it to be public tuition. I don't want it to be private tuition. You, know, mm-hmm. it's, you still have to manage people. You still have to encourage. And really, with the critical thinking skills, I think one of the easiest tips um, for your managers to use is when people come to you with questions, stop being Google. Stop giving them the answer. Ask them, what do you think the three or four best options are when you yeah. think about What do you think the three best options are? And when I learned this, I thought, you got to start with the end in mind. What does success look like? But what's interesting, when you ask that question, they'll tell you about what they're thinking about. And then you can just say, let's think about the the end game. Imagine it's now executed. What are those three biggest benefits that we're going to get out of this? Yeah. And then go back it's interesting then you go back again and say what are your options they might change yeah so what you're doing there is you're coaching them and teaching them but you're also understanding where they are from a thinking standpoint Mm -hmm. and then still i call this day off the solution don't give them the answer again just say let's get together next week and these are three good options and Sell me on which one you think is best.
1: Hmm.
0: Have them tell you. Let them think about it. Yeah. Don't let them just Google.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a really valuable thing. And I think that we often forget that. It's sometimes in our minds easier to just say, here's the answer. (laughs) Uh, Go on with your day. But oftentimes when we're investing in people and really coaching them, we want to make sure that they're thinking and they're putting their concepts and ideas behind their thoughts and their goals and their actions because then it actually makes it more influential too and helps them really embrace it and get excited about it and want to continue to do better for sure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's it's interesting and the toughest thing for me to in my coaching is what I'm going to share with you now. Because when I ask people, what do you think is best? and you can feel their passion because they're selling me on it. And so you're passionate about it and you've got the plan. Mm. And here I am on the other side and I want to add something so bad. But am I really making it about me? Because if they're passionate about it. So I've just made this up, but it's what I believe it's the lowest common denominator between how good the plan is and the level of passion. Because they own it, if I had something, did I just move it from their idea to my idea? Mm. and so their passion might go from ninety down to seventy percent, but the plan was an eighty five I just moved it from an eighty five plan down to a seventy, yeah, because I took away that passion, so many times I'm sitting there going perfect. How do you see getting started? What are you going to do? This is exciting. I just try to build them up and get them to be excited about executing it. Because when they're passionate, think about things that you've done. When you're passionate about it, you run into a roadblock. What do you do? You figure it out.
1: Get through it. Yeah, absolutely.
0: So quit quit making it about you sometimes. And it is because I've shared this with so many people. People tell me, boy, that is tough. They're sitting there going, man, I've got an idea, but it's, you're just encouraging them. You are a better leader and manager. And if you're a leader, you give credit to others, you take responsibility. Okay. So when you make it, when you add something, are you really making it about you? Are you trying to get the credit shift? And Mm -hmm. that's going to limit your, your growth. It's going to limit your ability to grow within an organization and impact others. When you give, you get more back.
1: Yeah. People understand it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome, Jim. Thanks for sharing that with us. I I think that was really valuable, especially for managers to put into their own ideas is not necessarily taking away their passion or their employees' passion for something that, and making it their, Thing instead of our
0: thing so absolutely so Marshall Goldsmith who's written quite a few books it's uh, I'll give him credit because it's just staying off the solution and I've witnessed it now since I learned it from him and, and that but I came up with the lowest common denominator thing because I think it's true I'll be the first to to admit that uh, I've made it about me shared an idea and then like okay Why did I do that? And you hold back. But when you're both passionate and you're focused on the same mission, people do want that energy to come from you too. So I don't want that to be dismissed, but you want, you don't want to overrun them with your energy and your passion because it's, again, the passion paradox, you can make people feel like it's about you when you overrun them with your passion. So try to manage that as well.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely
0: that's a coaching tip. I give a lot of newer, younger managers.
1: Awesome. Yeah. I would have to agree with you there. Energy is a valuable thing and a very positive thing and really productive, but you're right. Passion can be overtaken and (laughs) misconstrued. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, thanks for sharing with us, Jim. This has been really awesome. And um, I'm really happy that we got a chance to have a conversation about middle managers and how they can continue to impact others in their organizations. If people want to reach out to you, what is a good where is a good place to do that and how can they do that?
0: Yeah, just email Jim at imel associates, all spelled out. Jim at MLAssociates.com.
1: Awesome. And sweet. Do you have any advice for middle managers or leaders alike on how to be um, the best leader and manager?
0: So here's one thing I keep in the back of my mind all the time. It's a phrase that my dad didn't use often, but I remember him using it. And care should be a verb. Mm. So people should know that you care. They should witness it. And I think some of the tips that I shared with you today is really about caring by not giving them the answers. Yeah. And being able to connect early by asking questions, going deep it's interesting one of the people I'm coaching now when I first met her she talked about I'm a little tired today because we had baseball all weekend and it was hot out and and that type of thing Mm -hmm. and so what did I do for the first 15 minutes is I got her to talk to me about her kids and the baseball and her husband growing up playing baseball and all sorts of things but I learned so much about her through that process yeah and immediately I'm coaching her. What's very interesting is at my age, a lot of times people think there's this big difference between millennials. By the way, I don't believe a lot of what
1: is out there.
0: <laughs> if, if you, when you invest some time, like I do, that is not an issue when you're investing some time up front. Yeah. And the call it the experience uh, bias, because I'm not experiencing what they experience. Just imagine the technology you have now versus when I was your age. I was showing off a calculator. No, it was was totally different. But when you show you care and you connect, boom, there isn't this difference. Absolutely. I've I've never had a problem with helping coach the youth.
1: Never one. Absolutely awesome thank you so much jim for having a conversation today and really helping us learn how to invest in our people and how to invest in ourselves and our passions
0: okay thank
1: you i appreciate the opportunity kirsten yeah for sure
0: this podcast is proudly produced by waypoint what is waypoint well if you want to coach your team and not manage them then waypoint is worth checking out head over to waypointhq.com to learn more or email me directly, mike at waypointhq.com, and I'll demo it for you myself. Thanks for listening.